and the rest of us will be in John chapter 3. We're going to be looking today at verses uh, 16 through 21. In 1829, there was a man named uh, George Wilson who had robbed the U.S. Postal Service in Philadelphia, and he seriously endangered the life of the mail carrier. He was arrested. He was brought to trial. He was found guilty, and he was sentenced to be hanged until death. But... George Wilson had friends in high places, friends who intervened for him, and they sought to get him a pardon from the President of the United States. Amazingly, President Andrew Jackson pardoned him of his crime. But even more amazing than that was that when George Wilson was presented this opportunity to have his crime pardoned, he refused the pardon. Now, this created a problem for the sheriff who was holding him in jail because he was not about to execute a man who had been pardoned from his crime. An appeal was made and sent back to President Andrew Jackson, and then he turned it over to the Supreme Court. Finally, in 1833, four years later, the Supreme Court ruled that a pardon was merely a piece of paper if it were not accepted by the one who was pardoned. That's pretty amazing. A man who was found guilty was pardoned by the President of the United States and could go free, and he refused to accept his pardon. That raises a question for us to think about. Would you accept a pardon from the President of the United States if you had been found guilty of some crime? A bigger question than that is, would you accept a pardon from the God of the universe if you were offered a pardon from him? Or would you refuse? Some people don't know that God offers a pardon from sin. And that's really what the good news is all about. God offers a pardon for you. That's what our passage uh, today describes. And uh, I'd like to read it from John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. I encourage you to find that text uh, if you have a smartphone or if you have a Bible. And we always have Bibles th that you can pick up when you walk in. And uh, I can tell you that that's found on page 741 if you pick up a Bible coming in. Um, John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people 
loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for their, their fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. What they have done has been done in the sight of God. That's verse 21. So um, God offers a pardon to all of us, and it's based on love. And that's what we see uh, in verse 13. God's love for you is radical when you think about it. God's love for you is radical. Um, let's look at John 3.16. One of the dangers for a Christian is to know this th so well, maybe you've memorized it in the past, and you don't even think about it. That's, that can be a problem. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the most well-known verse in the Bible. It comes, remember, remember the context? It comes after Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious scholar. He came to Jesus at night, maybe because uh, he didn't want people to see him talking to this guy that was a carpenter. And Nicodemus is a member of the ruling council. He's a very prestigious and elite um, religious leader. And he comes to Jesus with questions. He's looking for answers. And Jesus knows his heart. And he says, uh, Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You, know, you need to be born of water and you need to be born of the spirit. You need a physical birth, but you also need a spiritual birth. And John 3.16 tells us how to have that spiritual birth. First observation I want to make about God's love is that his love, his radical love is all-inclusive. God so loved the world. And he, the word uh, for world here refers to humanity. I remember I learned this verse as a kid, and, you know, I had in my imagination, I, you know, we were just now getting pictures of what the world looks like from... Uh, um, a, a possible space capsule that didn't get out there very far. This was like the early days of space. And there was a picture of the earth. And that's what I thought it meant, that God loves that globe. I didn't understand it was about loving people. And in fact, he loved me. And I struggled with that for a long time to think, why would God love me? If he only knew what I did, why would he love me? But God loves all people. God does not play favorite favorites. Uh, he does not love uh, one country more than another. Uh, I think sometimes American Christians get confused by that. Um, he doesn't love just good people or religious people. He loves all people, no matter who they are or what they have done. Sometimes people feel like, well, I've done so many things that I know God would never really, things that are not good, that I, and I don't think God could ever love me or care about me because of what I've done. And that's not true, because he loves all 
people. Also, his love is intensely personal. God loves people because they have been created in his image. And God knows everything about every person. He knows everything uh, that they've ever done, and he still loves them. God loves you. He, he, he knows every hair on your head. He knows, um, he knows your private life, your private thought life. He knows your sin. He knows your passions. He knows your failures. He knows your hurts, and he knows your dreams. That's radical. And he, he loves you. Also, his love is totally sacrificial. And um, we sometimes say that the original word for love here is agape, agape love. And that's, that's a, a sacrificial kind of love. It's an unconditional love. It's not based on the person. It's based on the character of God. It's not based on your good looks or your accomplishments. It's based on... On God. The ultimate demonstration of his love is when he sent Jesus. God gave his one and only son, his most precious relationship, his one and only son, his, his unique son. And God gave him. But we know that when he gave him, it wasn't just to be a good example. It was costly. It was extremely costly. God gave his son to experience a painful death for us. Um, God's son was nailed to a cross, and he experienced excruciating pain. His body was displayed publicly as an example, so everybody could see. It was humiliating for the son of God to be nailed to the cross on a public display, a public road. And Jesus was totally innocent. He was without sin, yet he was displayed to be a great failure. Also, this radical love seeks our very best. He seeks your very best. God loves people because he wants their very best. He, he, wants, uh, he wants people to have the best possible life, a life that has victory over sin, uh, a victory over death, a victory over the power of Satan to be involved in our lives. He wants us to experience his love and his provision, his contentment, his hope, his forgiveness, and his joy. But we think we can come up with a better life. That's one of the big issues that we face. We choose things that we think will make us happier than that. Not only is God's love radical, in verse 17, God desires for you to be saved and not condemned. That's really good news. God desires for all of us to be saved and not condemned. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, Jesus came back. He came to the, to the world on that very first Christmas. 
to be born in Bethlehem with one chief purpose. And his purpose would be to make a provision for us so that we could be pardoned. His purpose was not to condemn. His purpose was to save. His purpose would be to rescue us. Also, from verse 17, God did not send Jesus to condemn. We've already talked about this. But look at uh, what Ezekiel says in, in chapter 18 and verse 32. So this would be about the uh, sixth century before uh, Christ. And uh, Ezekiel the prophet speaks for God, and God says, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. Did you know that? God doesn't take pleasure in the death of people, declares the sovereign Lord, and he tells them, Repent and live. Turn to God in faith. Trust him and live. Because he doesn't, he takes no pleasure in the death of, of people. He calls us to follow his leadership and live. The Apostle Paul writes this about this in the first century as well, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Now, this was kind of an important one to my wife back in the day in our early marriage when I was far from God and I considered myself an atheist. And this was a hope that she had. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God's heart. God is being patient with people. He's not slow about keeping his promise. He is going to come back. There will be a judgment. And Jesus will come again. And he will set up a final judgment on earth. But right now, he's just being patient. He was patient with me. He's patient with you. He's patient with your family members. He's patient with your friends, your classmates, your neighbors. He's patient with your coworkers right now. This is why we're here. Because God has a mission for his people. Also, we are just reminded from verse 17 that God sent Jesus to, to rescue us. He sent Jesus to rescue you. God doesn't want to condemn people. God wants to rescue people because they need to be rescued. Now, some people aren't clear on that. Um, the issue is we have this problem we, that's called sin. It separates us from God. Grant referred to it uh, earlier. Um, God's standards, he's a holy God, and his standards really are never falling short of the mark. Never. That's his standards. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And no one can accomplish that except Jesus did. We all fall short, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we're separated from God, because the wages of sin is death, and that's eternal death. And Jesus came to rescue us. 
Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3, 3 and 4 says, this is good. And this is describing uh, what happens when God rescues and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's heart. He wants all people to be saved from the penalty of their sin. Thirdly, so God's love for you is radical. His desire is for you to be saved and not condemned. And thirdly, God's offer for you is to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. We see this in verse 18. This is an invitation. It is an offer of a pardon. It's an offer for forgiveness. It's an offer for a fresh start. Or as Jesus would tell Nicodemus, it's an offer to be born again, to have a new spiritual birth. In uh, chapter 3, verse 18, Scripture says, whoever believes in him, that is his son, God's son, Jesus, is not condemned. Whoever trusts in Jesus does not experience eternal condemnation. In fact, they are indeed pardoned from their sin. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. This is a person's status. This is hard for people to understand. When you think about this, right now today, you can know your outcome in eternity. Everybody in this room, if you haven't believed, you stand condemned right now. That's your outcome. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, you have been pardoned. You don't deserve it. You'll never deserve it. You have been given eternal life. Sometimes people think, well, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out until I die. You can be sure right now. You can know. And church, it's kind of important that we understand this because that's why we're here. We have friends. We have family members that we care about who don't know Jesus yet. You know, it's not about being happy. It's about following Christ. That's where you're going to find the truest joy in your life and the truest happiness in your life. Problem is, we want to design our own lives. We, we think we know what happiness is going to be and what, what's going to be fulfilling to me. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The American dream. God is not against us having good things in our lives. But he's the most important. And he's the one who's going to bring us real success, real victory in life, real joy, real hope. So there's an invitation. Whoever believes is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Um, couple of observations from this, from verse 18. The first one is this, believe in the name. Believing in the name is to believe in the person's character and reputation and work. The name represents reputation, who they are, what they have done. Um, this is, was especially important in Bible times. Believing in the name of God's son was to believe in Jesus Christ, who he is as God's son. 
what he has done because of who he is, because of his life being infinitely valuable, his death paid the penalty for all sin, for all time, forever. It's paid for. There is an offer for a pardon because of what Jesus did. Second observation is believing in the person and work of Jesus changes one's eternal status. Um, the change goes from one standing condemned, one facing the wrath of God apart from Christ, to beginning that new relationship, being born again, be given a spiritual dimension to their life, and, and, and receiving the pardon that comes from God and receiving forgiveness and receiving eternal life. They're made a child of God. They're given a new life. They're given citizenship that's in heaven. And they're included in the spiritual body of Christ. And we become members of Christ's body. And we are a part of God's family. The Apostle Paul describes God's pardon in Colossians chapter 2, verses 3, 13 through 14. And he writes, when you were dead in your sins. That, that was, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. Uh, when they were dead, this was their former life. This was their standing. When they stood condemned because they didn't know Jesus. And then he says, God made you alive with Christ. He's talking about then they were born again. Then they received a new birth. And he forgave us all our sins. He, he pardoned us all our sins. Verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, all charges of sin held against us were dropped. They were canceled. They were wiped out. They were forgiven. We didn't deserve it. We will never deserve it. Um, Jesus took it all away when he died on the cross in our place. He was our substitute. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserved. But because I placed my faith in Christ, not because I'm really a cool person, because I placed my faith in Christ, he pardoned me. He forgave me. He gave me a new start in life. He took away my sins and nailed them to the cross. Third observation, not believing in the person and work of Jesus results in God's condemnation. This is a restatement of verse 18. The apostle Paul describes this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And, you know, sometimes we just kind of put this on the side burner. But this is the outcome of a person who has not believed in Christ. He will punish those who do not know God, who do not have a relationship with God, who have not come to Christ through faith. He will punish those who do not know God and obey the gospel. How do you obey the gospel? Well, it's not about good works. It's about doing what God said. Believe in God's one and only son. That's how you obey the gospel. So he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. There's going to be an eternal judgment on people 
who don't know Jesus. And we don't like to talk about that. But it is true. And the, sharing the good news means announcing it. Because this is a life or death issue. The church is involved in life and death matters. This is way import, more important than physical life and physical death. So God gives us an offer. The question is, will we accept his pardon? And I know a lot of you have accepted his pardon already. And maybe some of you haven't. And I just want to, I just want you to think this through. Lastly, verses 19 through 21, God's purpose for you is to come to the light and to display his character. In verse 19, the light is Jesus. Um, look at verse 19. John writes, this is a verdict. Light has come into the world, meaning Jesus has come into the world. And we go clear back to John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Remember in John chapter 1, John introduces all that's kind of going to happen in, in, uh, in the gospel of John. In the first 18 verses, he just gives us an introduction that has all the major themes. John chapter 1, verses 4, in him was life, and that's referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And verse 14 says that the word became flesh. It was Jesus. That was his birth. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light for all mankind. Not just for the church in America, not just for Christians, for all humanity, Jesus is the true light. Back in chapter 3, verse 19, this is a verdict. Light has come into the world. The people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And this is the problem. People, including us, find a great attraction to darkness, to going our own way and doing our own thing and ignoring God when it's uncomfortable or inconvenient. This was true in Jesus' day. It's true in our day. People enjoy hiding from God. People want to ignore him. They want to live without his truth. You know, people just like to determine their own values, to think about what they like and what they don't like and what they think is right and what they think is wrong. And they want to set the standards and God has not left that as an option. God the creator, God the designer who created us in his image, he has designed us and he has designed reality and what is true that marks off what is not true. Later in the Gospel of John, John writes in John chapter 8 and verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the true light. Whoever follows me, Jesus said, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
Whoever follows Jesus, that's, a, that's really comforting that I don't have all the answers to life, but if I just follow one day at a time, God will give me enough light, which is also talking about truth, enough light for my path to walk each day. And if I walk with him, I don't wander into the darkness. But if I get sloppy about my relationship with God, I, I tend to stumble off. I tend to get out of bounds. And it's really easy to be in a situation where God is not important in your life. Whoever follows, Jesus said, will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And it's just about setting your life on a course to follow Jesus. As we've already seen, verse 20, the problem is people prefer darkness more than light. That's what he says in verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. People don't like to be exposed. They don't like anyone to know what they're really like. We have an addiction to sin that is very hard to break, and only Jesus can turn it around. Only Jesus can give us a pardon. And only Jesus, when you become a Christ follower, only Jesus can give us the strength that we need for each day the light on our path that we need for each day. Verse 20 reminds us that people don't like to talk about their sin. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be in the light that comes from Jesus. That's kind of where our world is today. Just living as if God has nothing to do with the choices they make or the outcome or their responsibility or their accountability. In verse 21, coming to the light is to begin a personal relationship with Christ. Look at verse 21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Living by the truth is to align ourselves with God's truth. It's placing ourselves under the authority of the word of God his plans, and his purposes. And it starts by accepting the pardon. That's where, the, that's where we begin, by accepting uh, his pardon through his son, Jesus. Coming to faith in Jesus is coming to the light. In verse 21, it goes on, so that it might be plain, uh, seen plainly what they have done and has been done in the sight of God. You know, when... When we come to faith in Christ, God doesn't sweep away our sins. He doesn't hide them under the rug. He deals with them because he is a holy God. He is a righteous God, and sin must be dealt with. Our sin has to be dealt with. The good news is it was dealt with Jesus Christ even 2,000 years ago because his life is infinitely valuable the sin penalty was paid then, and God has not changed, and his offer is for today. It is for right now. And 
When we place our faith in Christ, God takes the credentials of Jesus and applies them to our account. His righteousness replaces our unrighteousness. And when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our last point. Coming uh, to the light displays what God is like to our world. And this is a chance for us to shine like the sun. God wants to us to live by the light. He wants us to live by truth. He wants us to walk in the light. He wants us to accept his pardon and follow Jesus. Um, it's not just about having sort of like fire insurance to keep you from hell. It's about coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ and following him and walking in the light. Uh, Jesus said these words in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what a Christ follower is to do, is to live in such a way that their lives display light, that their lives display truth, that their lives display who God is and what God is like. You know, if we're walking with Christ and people who don't know Jesus yet hang around, hang around us, they should begin to see glimpses of what God is like, that he is loving, that he is forgiven, forgiving, that he is kind, that he is gentle, that he is patient. When we walk with Christ, those come through in our lives and other people can see that and when we serve others and when we do good works and by the way this is one of the reasons we do this with our growth groups this is one of the reasons why we do outreaches because we need the discipline of serving people outside of our church serving people in our community and we have a chance to just to give people a glimpse of what our god is like the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is our last passage. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. You knew that, didn't you? It's, it's by grace. It's God's favor. It's not deserved. Um, it's through faith. It's about trusting in Jesus Christ. It's not from yourselves. It's not about like how good I am and all the things that I've done. If that were true, I would be able to boast. It's a gift from God. There is a pardon. It is a gift from God. And what God wants us to do is just to receive it, to embrace it, to accept it by faith. And it's not by work, so no one should boast. And that's how we receive the pardon. But verse 10 goes on and tells us what happens after we receive the pardon. Um, look at verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. That's after we've been pardoned. Um, we are created in Christ Jesus. We are born again. We are given this new birth, a spiritual dimension. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to follow Jesus, to do good works. Good works don't get us to heaven. Good works don't get us pardoned. But it's the outcome of what we do once we've received that pardon and once we, we begin learning to follow Christ. 
And I, I love this part here, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That gives me a lot of comfort. What should I do? What should I do? Well, I should walk with Jesus. And as I do that, he's going to put things in my path for me to do. I don't have to know them all today. But I find them as I go. You know, years ago, I never knew I'd be here. But it's just about like one day at a time, and we ended up in Eau Claire. And one day at a time, we planted a church. And one day at a time, here we are. It's just about walking one day at a time. You don't have to have all the answers. God has prepared good work. They're already prepared for you. He knows you. He has a plan for you. It's unique. It's for you. And if you will follow him, he's going to display it one day at a time. And then you're going to be able to look back and say, oh, that was what God was doing. I think this was the big important thing. And we can see it. So, here's the deal. If you are a Christ follower, here's what God wants. He wants you to follow. He wants you to walk in the light. He wants you to be involved with him on mission because people stand condemned already. And we know the truth. And we know what the good news is. And we know how people can be pardoned. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, if you've never for experience the forgiveness of sins. The good news is God has a pardon to offer you. The good news is your sin penalty has been paid for. It's already paid in full. There's nothing more you have to do about the sin penalty. But God wants you to embrace that, the pardon. He wants you to accept it. Not like George Wilson who didn't think he needed it. He wants you to embrace what he's done for you and accept the forgiveness he has for you. And it comes down to a, a choice. The choice is, do I accept this pardon or do I not? It's a choice. God has given you a free will. And God delights when we choose him. Uh, and it's about beginning a relationship with God. That's what, when we receive the pardon, it's about beginning a relationship with God. A couple things. One, it's a relationship you were made for. You were made for a relationship with God. That's what Colossians 1.16 says. You were made for God. God is the one who designed you. God knows everything about you. God has a purpose for you. And you're never going to find your fulfillment or your purpose apart from God. That's just true. And we try to find our, our fulfillment sometimes without him, and you're never going to find it apart from God. It's a relationship you were made for. Secondly, it's a relationship you can have. And the reason you can have is because of what Jesus did. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God's love is radical. He sent Jesus. Jesus died for us, our substitute. He took our place. That's what that means. In theology, they call it the substitutionary atonement. It's a big deal. But he died for you. He died for me. It's a relationship you can have. 
And lastly, it's a relationship you must choose, and that's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, any person, it's for every person, whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Not just life when you die, not just a heaven when you die, but a quality of life, a spiritual dimension that starts the instant you believe in Christ. It's a choice. And not to choose leaves you in the place where you still face condemnation. When you do choose, you experience God's pardon, forgiveness, and eternal life. I want to close and, and pray for us. And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to, to put your faith in Christ. Prayer is just one way we, prayer is when we talk to God, it's just one way that we express faith. And um, God wants you to trust him. You don't have to do a prayer to trust him, but that's just one way. And so I'm going to pray, and it's going to be something like this. Just think about this. I'll pray. I'll do this. Uh, I'll go through it once, and then I'll go through it a second time so that if that is something you wanted to do, you could repeat it after me, and it, you can do it silently and privately from your own heart. I'm going to do a prayer something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. See, I'm just agreeing with God. I admit that I'm a sinner. And right now, I put my trust in Jesus Christ who died for me, and I accept the offer of pardon that you give to me for my sins. Thank you that Jesus died for me. And now help me to become the person that you want me to be. Just something that simple, okay? All right, let's everybody bow our heads. And uh, if that prayer made sense to you, I just want to invite you to pray silently with me. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I know that. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me, to take my sins. Right now, God, I put my faith in Jesus. I trust him. Right now, God, I accept the pardon that you offer because of Jesus. And now, God, I just want to acknowledge as well that I want to follow you. Please help me to do that. And the prayer can be just that simple. If you prayed with me right now, would you mind just slipping up your hand so I can see it? If you prayed with me, it's just one way to declare that. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? If you prayed with me? Okay, thank you. Let's pray. And God, I just thank you for those who've raised their hands and uh, indicated their desire to trust you. And God, because of their faith right now, you have pardoned them of, your, of their sin. Thank you, God, for what Jesus did. Thank you, God, for your radical love. And I pray that you would um, help them to sense your presence in their life right now. Help them to um, sense what forgiveness is and to feel 
the joy of being cleansed from sin. And then, God, for all of us who are Christ followers, uh, I pray, God, that you will enable us to shine like the sun, like your sun, as we walk in the light, as we follow Jesus, as we pursue his life and his mission. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.